I'm Nils Davis, and you're listening to episode 150 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. In the previous episode, I made a lot of complaints about PRDs, and then I made some claims that they could be better. In this episode, how you might actually make a better PRD, or as I'm going to call it, a product Bible. Now, the overall argument is basically that PRDs are problematic for a bunch of reasons. They go stale, no one reads them, they're mainly or often focused on the technical solution and not on the fundamental problem a product is solving, nor on how to take the solution to market. But there might be some things we can do. To get to grips with that, let's think about what we're trying to accomplish, both with the PRD itself and also overall with our product process. Is there a way to accomplish more of what we want overall by improving the way we do PRDs that will also make the PRDs themselves more valuable and more enduring? Well, I think there are, and I will be talking about those things we can do. Some are mindset, some are small techniques, some might require some extra work done at one point that ideally leads to less work and disappointment at later stages. I set the following goals for PRDs. If we could achieve these with our PRDs, the world overall would probably be a better place. First, the PRD continues to be a living reference for the implementation of the capability, including decisions and changes made during the building process. Second, the PRD is actually useful for marketing and sales to use to figure out how to sell the capability, not just for the technology people. And third, the PRD itself is motivating to the development team, so it's not just a bunch of stuff they have to build. So how do you do this, though? Well, when you write your PRD, here are some ideas that will take it to a higher level and make it much more valuable. First of all, we know one of the big problems with PRDs is they quickly end up static and out of date. Well, how can we work to make sure that doesn't happen? It would help a lot if they remained important to the process as it goes along. In other words, the PRD is not just for communicating what to build, but also why to build it. What are the actual problems and the stories of the suffering prospects who need our solution? And perhaps more importantly, how we're going to sell it. Our claim as product managers is that by creating this product, we will be able to sell it to a target market for a profit. So part of the PRD can be what I call the MVPK, the Minimum Viable Product Knowledge for Sales and Marketing. I've got a couple podcast episodes about that. And that consists of four parts, the way I usually talk about it. The value proposition, of course, which itself has four parts. The target market segment, the target buyer, the main features, and the key differentiators. That's the value proposition, basically, the template. Now, one reason to keep the PRD up to date is that as the value proposition is updated and refined over the course of time, you need to update it in the source of truth for this product, which is the PRD. Well, what else goes in the MVPK? The discovery and qualification questions that sales can use to make sure they're talking to the right market. Those discovery and qualification questions like check to see, is this person in the right market segment? Do they have the problem that we solve? Are they like our other customers in that they... Are, have tried, it in cert, tried to solve it in certain ways and failed and things like that. It also has tools and guides for objection handling. And of course, customer success stories. Those start out before you actually have the product built and have customers using it as sort of two things. One is, again, the stories of the suffering prospects who do not yet have a solution and so they're in pain. And you might have some made-up stories about how those prospects' lives will change when they have the product you are in the process of building. In other words, the projected future state. So I'm recommending that the PRD include either a brief version of the MVPK itself 
or link to a separate MVPK. And I think that addresses actually two of my goals. Remember, my three goals were that it's a living reference, it's actually useful for marketing and sales, and it's motivating to the developers. Well, I think having the MVPK there is clearly useful for marketing and sales because that's what they need in order to create good marketing and sales programs. But it's also motivating to the dev team if they know how it's going to be used, what we expect the success stories to be like. They're going to do a better job of developing a solution if they have that kind of future vision in mind. And that's something that's often not included in a PRD, at least in my experience. So I mentioned in a podcast episode long ago that as far as product success is concerned, the problem our product solves is the most important component to get right. If we don't solve a worthwhile problem, then nobody cares and nobody buys our product. Then the go-to-market for our solution is the second most important. If we can't reach the people that have the problem and persuade them that our solution is their best choice, again, we don't have sales. The product itself, while it must deliver on those promises and is a necessary condition for success, is definitely not a sufficient condition. And in some sense, it's the least important of the three. Now, this is proven over and over again, by the way, by products that don't actually exist, but which solve such meaningful problems and are taken to market so well that they still make money. Things like vaporware. And I would actually put a lot of dietary supplements <laughs> into that category as well. The claim is that they're going to help you live longer or lose weight, and they often don't have any effect, but they still sell. With all these changes, the PRD is turning into something a little bit bigger, and I'm going to call it a product Bible. It's all the things that need to be known about the product and what really needs to be known if you think about it. Well, the functionality, of course, that's the normal thing we put into a PRD, but also who the market is and why, how we'll sell it to that market, or at least the basic tools, and the decisions that have been made about the product, why we're going one way and not the other way at any given point. Now, I originally thought the name could be the product book. I read or listen to a lot of police procedurals. In the Harry Bosch series by Michael Connolly, the police detectives maintain what they call a murder book, a binder or a set of binders that contains all the information they dig up during their investigation, crime scene reports, witness statements, interviews, the detective's notes, a timeline, witness lists, and so on and so forth. And if something doesn't physically fit into the murder book, there's a reference to it in the book such as where it can be found if it's some physical evidence. It's all there, so at any time, someone can go back to the murder book to follow the thread of the case. And it's zealously kept up to date, long past when the murder is solved, at least to the trial and possibly afterwards. So I thought product book might be a good name, but it's kind of arcane, so product Bible for now is what I'm going to call this thing. But it has those components. I think it's a good question of whether all the interviews and conversations related to the product should go into this book, actually. But maybe they're all referenced. And nowadays, again, if the conversations are recorded, they can be transcribed and the transcriptions can be used directly in a product like Product Board, or they can be stored in Confluence, and then they can be linked to. Now, with this concept, a lot more things come to mind that might be valuable in a product Bible, and which will, again, help guide the product success by giving the developers more insights into what's going on or what they possibly should try to avoid given what I'm about to talk about, giving sales and marketing more insights, and so on and so forth, these all keep the product Bible relevant. And one of those is a pre-mortem. I talk about the concept of a pre-mortem in episode 132. In short, it's like a post-mortem where you examine in retrospect what went wrong with the project, 
But in a pre-mortem, you mentally transport yourself into a future where your product failed and you come up with the reasons for its failure. The idea being that if you consider those failure modes in advance, you'll have a much better chance of avoiding them. Now, this is an example of the kind of document that might not belong directly in the product Bible, but it could be there by reference because it will help you avoid failure. So one thing you might be wondering is how does the product Bible live across multiple versions of the product? Well, in this concept, much of the information in the product Bible remains evergreen across multiple releases and versions, the market positioning, the go-to-market, or it does change slowly over time, but not as fast as the version numbers change. But you might at one point want to set a version of the product Bible kind of in stone and start a new one. So let's say you set what we're going to call version one of the product Bible in stone. It might not be related to version one of the product. It might be version five that you decide to do this. It's up to date with the product as of that time with all the current stories and things. And it's got all the requirements that you've actually implemented over that, that period. And you kind of duplicate it for version two. And then you rework the key things that need to be updated. What will those be? Well, obviously, the functionality of the next release will be different from the previous release or the new features at any rate. But it could be anything else. The value proposition might have changed. You might be targeting a new, bigger audience, for example. Or you might have refocused down to on a more specific segment or a new segment in addition to the original target segment. Now, your new segments will have specific stories that are appropriate for them, both for the before, the prospect story, and the after, the successful customer story. Now, some of the old functionality will remain in the product Bible, but it can remain in the PRD by reference, and new functionality will be added into the PRD along with new stories and new marketing and new positioning and all that stuff. So I don't know if I've ever really heard anyone suggest anything like this before, a product Bible. I think it's a way to address this constant problem that the PRD goes out of date and stale by extending its role, but I really would love to hear your feedback. Now, I finally close with a few of the use cases for the product Bible. Well, the idea is it's, of course, a single place where the product manager or product managers can organize everything they know about the product, the market discovery interviews, the validation experiments that showed the problem was worth solving, the stories of the prospects who are suffering from the problem, the competitive analysis done to determine if there's a market gap, the capabilities needed to create a solution to the validated problem, that is what we normally put in a PRD and that's all. The expected experience of customers who use the new product when it's available, and over time, these are replaced by the actual customer stories. The competitive differentiators, objection handling information, discovery and qualification questions. So basically, the idea here is it's where all the product information is tied up into one bundle. Now, ideally, it's created in such a way that every stakeholder can access it and make sense of the parts of it that they need to, like product managers, developers, product marketers, salespeople, and sales enablement, customer support. It should answer all the questions that any of those people might have about the product. As product managers, we're usually answering all these questions multiple times over the course of building and delivering and selling the product anyway. So let's have a place to organize it that captures all that information that's otherwise in our head. So this new idea, the Product Bible, it has a lot of good points. I think it's kind of exciting. I've actually been very excited since I came up with the idea a few weeks ago. It's also possibly impractical or impossible to implement. I'm not sure. Or it might be impossible to use. It might be possible to implement, but not possible to use. So I don't know if anyone is going to do what I suggest. I think it's got some challenges. 
It requires more collaboration. It makes the document itself much bigger, and it probably can't all be contained in one document anyway. Potentially doubling the size, probably more. It's going to be multimedia, so it's going to include not just words and pictures, but videos and other artifacts. I haven't even really mentioned design and design components that will go into this, mock-ups and prototypes. It requires a lot of openness to make it work, both in terms of who is allowed to see it, who's allowed to contribute to it, and the openness to sort of open the kimono about what is actually going on in the product. So I'm going to finish on the product Bible for this week. Next week, I'll dive in a little deeper. I've got an idea for an actual implementation concept for the product Bible, and I'll talk about that. And I'll do some objection handling. I started to talk about some objections today. I know this sounds a little bit like a fantasy, and perhaps I'm tilting at windmills like Don Quixote, but I am going to try to defend the idea a little longer anyway. One big question you might have is, isn't this what Agile is supposed to be doing for us? And I haven't really talked about Agile and how it interacts with this PRD concept at all, and I think that's worth a conversation. I would love to know your thoughts about this product Bible idea. I, If you like it or if you think it's really dumb, um, you can go to secretsofpm.com and you can leave me a comment on the show notes or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. And I'd love to hear from you. If you like this episode or if you want to share this insane product manager person talking about an insane product Bible idea to your colleagues, consider sharing it with a product manager friend of yours to get them riled up too. I hope you hope you liked it though. I do think this is an interesting idea, at least as a thought experiment, as something we can maybe think about helping us to do things a little bit better in the future. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.